0: Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the away end show brought to you by the elite football show my name is Hader Rubani and I'm your host as ever today we've got a fantastic guest today he is a massive massive Everton fan he's also got the Blue Room podcast which is the most listened Everton podcast around and he's also on team talk radio Matt Jones welcome to elite football show
1: it's a pleasure to be on lads thanks very much for having me how are you both doing?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. And i also joined hopefully by Kieran. Better, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. We'll, we'll have a chat, Matt, um, after the game on Saturday and then we can probably give you a better answer. <laughs> but uh, Kieran, welcome, mate. It's good to have you back on as usual, as my usual co-host. How are you doing and how are you feeling? Well, before tonight's game against Istanbul and then obviously the big, big one against Everton because, you know, that could be a make or break, couldn't it, for Oli?
2: Yeah, it's a tough one. I'd say today probably like a lot of people tired after reading so much on the American election last night, and then um, yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. I can see United probably rotate the squad tonight against um they'll against Istanbul because look we need to play on a Wednesday and then your game against Everton on Saturdays at I think what half eleven or twelve. It's one of those, I don't think, if you're playing 90 minutes against Istanbul, you're probably not going to be able to play 90 minutes against Everton at the weekend. So it's it's a tough ask, but look, you have to do it. So hopefully they can pull something out of the bag.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Guys, before we go on, to all the listeners, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. As you can see with that lovely ticker across the bottom, we're on our road to 1K. We've been on YouTube for about two, three months now, so we're nearly there. Please help us out. And you can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Matt, let's start with you as you are the guest today and we're talking about Everton. What are your thoughts on Everton's start to the season? I mean, you're looking at it sitting in fourth place. Fantastic start, didn't you? Absolutely fantastic. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed watching Everton this season. Uh, I, th- I thought, you know, you gave me a little bit of Leicester vibes going into the first five games. I know we shouldn't judge things on a five-game basis, but fantastic manager, some great signings. It all seems to be clicking you hit the buffers a little bit the last two or three games, but um, overall, how are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that the recency bias of the last couple of games is obviously what people have been speaking about in you know our Everton circles and our, our real blue bubbles, if you will, over the last few days. And I think the, the worrying thing about the last couple of days is that it's sort of a bit of a reminder that the, the Everton that we saw last season, the long spells and the Everton we saw post-lockdown, isn't that far away. Um, you know, if you take a few players out, you're still looking at a team that's, you know, the large portion of a squad that finished 12th last season. And that that is a little bit worrying. But overall, I'm, I'm trying to keep positive. I think it's, as you mentioned there, in the early weeks of the season, it was a bit of a, you know, what are we seeing here from this Everton side? Because I think that the best thing about it all was it was really fun. And it's been a long time since we've had an Everton side that we could look at and go, bloody hell, you know, you sat there on a Friday night. And you're thinking, I can't wait to watch these lads play on, on Saturday or, or Sunday or whatever it is at the moment. And that, that's something we've not had for a while. And the signing of Rodriguez obviously sort of epitomises that. The, the two lads that have come in, in midfield have done well as well. But, yeah, it's it's, it's been a bit of a, a mixed bag. But I think overall, if people had said to us at the start of the campaign and you're going to be fourth in the table after seven games, you're going to be in the Carabao Cup quarterfinals, and you've got James Rodriguez looking like, a million dollars every time he steps out onto the pitch, That I think Evertonians would have been quite happy with that.
0: Absolutely, mate. I mean, look, I, I've really enjoyed watching Everton play this year. I think everything ab- about Everton has been it's high energy. There's quality as well on the ball. I mean, Kieran, I'm going to bring you in. We've we've spoken about Everton maybe f- in the, four times, I think, already, haven't we, about the team that we've enjoyed watching the most and also just sort of the impact. But Calvert-Lewin's probably someone that I know myself I wasn't the biggest fan though I didn't think he quite had it but he's been phenomenal this season and what's impressed you most about him?
2: I think what's impressed me most about him is just before every time I seem to watch Everton you would see him kind of running along the wing and he'd be one of the main attacking players but you didn't really see that kind of poacher's instinct too much. This season I see the complete opposite and it's kind of similar to what Ancelotti did in some of those big kind of AC Milan teams made sure his main predominant striker was getting into the box and scoring those as you say kind of the scruffy goals the one that always sticks out I think it was the second week of the season when it was either James or Richarlison took the shot and it looked like it might have gone in or gone wide and then Calvert-Loon was there just to tap it in anyway those were types of goals you weren't seeing week in and week out from one which for the type of player we're seeing this season it's kind of remarkable that he wasn't doing that before he's been very impressive not only with Everton but scores in his debut for England as well I don't think there's much you can kind of criticize there I think what Ancelotti has brought to the Everton side you you have more ways to be able to play especially with those kind of the midfield three and then having Rodriguez above that it just helps out the strikers it's I said it last week, it'll be very interesting to see what happens when you don't have Rodriguez, you don't have Richarlison, Dina. How will that affect Calvert-Lewin's game? Will he have to kind of come push more back into midfield to try and win the ball? Or will there still be enough creativity behind him where he can stick in those kind of positions where he can score goals? If he can do that and Everton can get those kind of secondary players that maybe aren't James Rodriguez to supply him that ball... I. I think you could see a quite big goal tally this year for Calvert-Lewin. But again, it goes to that point that Matt said, it's not an Everton team that's far away from the team that finished 12th. So if and with the season that's in, like we've said a million times later, they're trying to fit a 10-month season into a nine-month season. And that's going to be difficult on a lot of these players, especially with internationals. For the likes of James Rodriguez, every time he has to go back to South America to play an international game and come back, you'll see that kind of effect. And how does that affect Everton? If they're still challenging for top four later on in the season, that's one of the kind of questions that I would have about it.
0: Absolutely. Matt, have you got anything to add to that? Because what I would say is that what we saw against Newcastle, and this is with, is with any side, you know, if, if United didn't have Bruno, uh, let's say, didn't have Rashford, and they didn't have, um, let's say, Martial, United will struggle because they're three of your, your best, perhaps most creative players. And we've seen without Martial, Man United have really struggled in the games. I mean, Everton didn't have... Hammers was injured. Dino wasn't there. Richardson, I believe, was banned. That's three very key players. Does it worry you that going forward as we talk about the squad and, as Kieran said, condensing 10 months into nine, that can this squad, with a few key players out, can it still sustain the same levels of performance?
1: A little bit, yeah. But there's two other players that you you, you didn't mention there as well, and Mason Holgate, who's sort of been forgotten about, who's probably our our best centre-back for long portions of the campaign. And while Yeri Mina and Michael Keane have done well, I think opposition sides are sort of getting onto them a little bit now. You know, look at Newcastle's second goal at the weekend, I don't know if you lads saw it, where a sort of pushed out and Ryan Fraser just goes, yeah, I'm just going to run in behind you. And it's, it's, it's very easy when you're playing against those two to do that sort of thing. So Mason Holgate obviously needs to, you know, he, when he comes back, you think he'll add something a little bit different to the defence. And the other one is Seamus Coleman, who's obviously had a, you know, a bit of an up and down time, I think, since that horrendous leg injury he got a couple of years ago. But, um, you know, to be fair, with was somebody who I thought Everton needed to replace this summer and look to build on. But he, he started the season so well and had a really nice partnership going with James Rodriguez in those early games, and he's not been available either, so I think you're looking at a situation there where you've probably got five first-team players out, and that 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 shines a light on the rest of the squad, and it's shone a light on the rest of the squad in the last few weeks that indicates that a lot of the lads coming in for them aren't good enough, but in the same breath, I think you're to, you're not going to have a situation much throughout the course of the season where you're going to have five dead important players out, be injured or suspended, and that's just it's just one of those things at the moment where everything have got to grip the teeth and get through it and there's you know there's a stat that we, we do a stats pack show on the on the blue room with a, a lad from sky sports called matchy when he put a, a stat out of the weekend going into that newcastle game saying the 11 lads on the pitch in that game um haven't created as many chances this season together as Luca dean and hamas have at the duo so i think that just goes to show where everything's creative outlets come from and yeah, it's uh, on on lewin and I think it's it's been a really good story, and it's 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 all the better because he's sort of self made. But I think early on when he came into the side, he sort of he looked like that fella who's sort of going to be like, "Oh yeah, I'll do all the horrible jobs for you, lads. Don't worry." Do you know when you go into like any new job and you just start yeah. and you sort of say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll make the cup of teas for you. Don't worry, I'll, I'll go and do it all day." Yeah, I like definitely. the equivalents, like I'll, I'll run in behind, I'll take the knocks up front, I'll bring the rest of these into into play. <laughs> And now he's sort of 23, 24, he's hung around a little bit, probably one of the most senior players in the squad in terms of time he's been around. It's sort of like he's he took his knocks, he's paid his dues and now he's been given the chance to say, right, to just be, be the number nine. And I think what it's dead encouraging the because I think goal scoring and you know the predatory instincts that, that Kieran mentioned there are things that are spoken about among football pundits and fans as being innate. I mean, you've got them or you haven't. And I think what Don's done, which is really good, is he's shown that if you work hard on it and you watch videos, he said he's watched videos of Drog, but obviously Carlo's spoken a bit about people and Zaghi as well and how he's compared him to, to him and he wants him to look to him. If you study these fellas and watch what they can do and, and work hard at your game, then you can add that edge to it. And we're looking at a player now. I think he scored 11 goals in all competitions this season. You know, he scored on as England debut as well, as you mentioned there. It's He's looking like a, a serious player goal scorer now and he's still got parts of his game he's, he's got a lad to and still got to improve of course but I think he's shown that if you put those those pieces around him if you put you know an a elite wide forward next to him and and an elite creator behind him and Harris Rodriguez then the lad's got all the attributes to score goals.
0: I completely agree I was always one of those that thought predatory instinct you've got it or you don't and that's something that You know, sometimes I look at Marcus Rashford and I think, have you got that natural predatory instinct? Are you a natural finisher? You look at Mason Greenwood, that's a natural cold Mm. finisher. I always thought that Lewin didn't have it. I thought, worked so hard last season. I thought he's great attitude. He can get on the end of a a ball. But what I've seen this season, and I hope he carries it on because it's only better for England, isn't it, that you have another player that can do it. But Matt, let's talk about some of those new signings. Mm. James Rodriguez, fantastic. I loved him at Real Madrid. I loved him at Bayern Munich. I loved him when he was at the World Cup and he, and he was one of the best players. I wanted United to sign him years and years ago. Fantastic player. I looked in there, and I thought, how is he going to settle? Because he's someone that hasn't played, I don't think, regularly. He's someone that's got immense talent, but he seems to have been out of favour at Real Madrid. He's come in and it's, it's amazing, isn't it? When you have a manager that believes in you, a manager that, really really thinks that you can change a team and it's just he's just flourished and it's been absolutely beautiful to watch so talented then you add decore who for me i'm just shocked that none of the other big teams went after him because i've been saying kieran knows this i've been saying all summer abdulillah Decoré an engine room in midfield he can transition you from defense to attack in the way he carries the ball and then alan i watched a lot of Serie A and i was thinking alan i think he might be past it again fantastic signing it's incredible that three Signings the manager wanted have just transformed the team, and you look over perhaps Man yeah. United as United fans, and you think, yeah, maybe if Oli got the three players he wanted, then you know you could see a completely different side. But what's impressed you the most about those three signings, and talk to me a bit about how their qualities have just perfectly melded together.
1: Well, I think the standout one's been, been Rodriguez. It's uh, you know we were speaking before we signed him, and we you know we were sort of trying to put it into context in regards to when was the last time Everton signed a footballer of that profile? And we had to sort of go, you know, we mentioned Andre Kinchelis because obviously we got from Manchester United, albeit he wasn't probably at, at that level as a world star. We probably had to go back to Alan Ball after, you know, in, in 1966 in regards to signing a player who, who was that, you know, well-known on the world stage who had such pedigree at a, you know, at a, at a tournament like that. And he, he's just come in and it's, it's like seeing in colour for the first time. In, in that sense it's like you see in a football and you go oh this is what it's supposed to look like this is what a, a, you know an elite creative player can do with the ball and he, he, he gets all of it and it's almost like the football match pivots around him and no he's not going to run back and provide much cover he's probably not going to get stuck in loads and loads but if you give him time on the ball and you can, can get onto his left foot he can make wonderful things happen and it's been such a you know, boost for Seamus Coleman, who I mentioned, has got forward around that on that right hand side around him a lot. But his link up with Richarlison and his link up with Luca Dean in particular, spreading those left footer passes out to the to, to the left hand side and those players getting in behind and getting crosses into to Dominic Carver Lewin have been you know that that's what Everton's attacking players look like in the opening weeks of the season. That's been the way home in football matches. Hammers out to the left into Carver Lewin and and you're getting chances like that. Um he, he's been absolutely wonderful and he's he's you know, the Evertonians are taking to him straight away, of, of course. It's early days, yeah. And you know, he was he obviously absent at the game against Newcastle at the weekend. Um, I don't, know if, I don't know if you lads heard about the nature of his injury, but uh, didn't sound like a particularly nice one he got um, in the game against Virgil against Liverpool. I think Virgil van Dijk gave him a, a bit of a boot in the unmentionables, and he was uh, he's, he's been, really? yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, he's got a he's got a sore bollock apparently, yeah. So he's uh,
2: no, no petition for that, no. no.
1: No, Absolutely, no. But, yeah. uh, so I think if think he tried to a John against Southampton, but um, couldn't do it. But yeah, apparently he's he's, he's had a sore bollock, and in the last couple of weeks, he's that's why he didn't play against Newcastle. But in, apparently he's
0: going to be back, way, Matt, in the nicest way possible? I really hope that he's okay, but I hope that sore bollocks hurting a little bit more. for <laughs> one, one more game week, you know, maybe you can just have uh, a longer break for the inter- international break. Maybe you can take a few days off before, uh, so that United don't have to be terrorized by
1: him on the weekend. <laughs> Come on, lars. No, no one wants to wish anyone to have a sore like bollock any day longer than they need to. Come on, um, rather he's a sad here, but yeah, he, he's, he's been wonderful, he, he's been absolutely wonderful. I think the, the other two are interesting, it's um, probably good without being great so far, I'd say. Um, Alan, I think you mentioned there either in regards to what he was doing in, in Serie A at Napoli, he was very much the box to box force, wasn't he? He was the lad who'd, who'd get the ball in midfield and drive forward with it, and then. If Napoli didn't have the ball, he'd be like sort of the one you say, just, just go and try and win the ball back as much as you want. Yeah, at Everton, it's been a little bit different. He's He's been the, the fellow that's been tasked with sitting in front of the back four, sort of the deepest of that midfield three. And he's it, it feels like he's learning a little bit about that role still. You, know, you, you can't just go and charge after the ball there because you've got to be a bit more disciplined in where you play. And he's done it really well at times. The opening day against Tottenham, he was fantastic. Um, other games, he's He's not quite done as well there. Um, I think he's been carrying injury over the last few weeks as well, which has been a little bit of a worry. He looked, he was one of our better players against Newcastle in that dreadful game of the weekend. So hopefully he's getting back to that sense. And DeCore as well, you know, you mentioned there about him being that engine and that fellow that gets forward. What what we've seen from him so far early in the season is there's been probably a bit more emphasis on his defensive play because he, you know, you can imagine the midfield three is sort of a an upside down triangle. Allen's at the bottom of it. It's been Gomez or whoever on the left of it given freedom, and Decoré's been on the right of it. And when James floats in off that right-hand side, when Seamus Coleman gets forward, it's sort of been... I think I think Carlo Ancelotti's made sure that Decoré knows that you've got to sit in that space sometimes. You can't just let teams cancel us on the left-hand side. For, you know, and, he's, and he's done it really well. But I think that the challenge for him going forward and for the manager going forward is to, to find a way of... Getting him to do that job, but also finding a way of unlocking that, that attacking ability we saw at Watford, you know, when he gets to the edge of the box, have shots, when he get in the box and scores ahead of the times as well. So, yeah, th- those two are still sort of finding the, the feet, sort of learning a little bit about different positions. But, um, agree, you guys has just been been wonderful. I, I, I said, I said before the, you know, I said after the Messi side derby and before these last two games, and I think he's he's probably been the best player in the Premier League this season, um, along with Harry Kane. You know, that's obviously been my, my, Royal blue tinted specs on, but um, he's, he's just been absolutely wonderful. And I just wanted to be fair because on Saturday, not, you know, not necessarily called you know, key topical battle in the game. I just want to watch the lad kick a football around because he's, he's wonderful at it. It's, it's been an absolute joy.
0: He's he's absolutely he's I think he's been the best signing. I saw someone say, uh, I was probably a Liverpool fan saying, I don't know, Jota's been the best signing. And uh, Jota's been good, don't get me wrong, but for me, it's been Hamez, the way that he's changed, and also it seems, Kieran, like he doesn't. He doesn't really run that much if you know what i mean he just he's just a clever player and like like uh matt said DeCorey having to come out wide and it kind of reminds you a bit with united that when we play ours is a bit lopsided as well let's say if matters on the right or whoever's on the right maybe greenwood they're not going to come out it's clever isn't it kieran from ancelotti to notice that and that's what a good manager does he goes right okay if this player's not going to track back we've got to shift the midfielder out wide i mean what have you been impressed with in terms of ancelotti's tactics because you no, know, last season he came in and I thought world class manager. He's had a little bit of a difficult time at Napoli. Let's see how he does here because traditionally he's been with a bigger club. You, know, you look at AC Milan, uh, Real Madrid, PSG. It's an incredible pedigree. He's won multiple Champions Leagues. Didn't quite work out, although Everton went on a nice run. But um, that's the impact of a top manager, isn't it? And you're seeing that at a club. And when people say, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, maybe don't go for the big name. You know, maybe he's past it. He's not past it, is he?
2: No, look, it's it's a mixture of having that top manager that can kind of shift their tactics. Um, but also it's the players you bring in. Because if this was the same team as last year, I don't think that he'd be able to do exactly what he's doing right now, especially in that midfield three. So like when you were talking about the signings, the ones that kind of went out for me were kind of DeCore and Alan because they allow Everton when before last season towards the end, they were kind of reverting to that mid block where the midfielders weren't really working in both a pressing ideal or in that defensive unit when they're trying to stop counterattacks. You see that now and it kind of goes with what Matt said there, where you have Alan playing more defensive than you saw him at Napoli. You have Decore working on his defensive game. It's like a shield to stop those counterattacking attacking kind of threats from a lot of teams that play that way in the Premier League now and it's worked really well what you say with hammers yeah he doesn't run but he doesn't have to run that's the good part about him it's probably why he didn't suit the likes of Bayern Munich or Madrid because they were kind of based on kind of fast-paced wingers when he was never going to be that um but you see the ball skills that he has now it's it's unbelievable and they have that balance to a certain extent, especially when you have someone like Seamus Coleman that's on that right side, because look, watching him for Ireland all the time, he was our, one of our best players for years and years and years because he will bomb up that right wing. So even though James probably isn't going to be a player to go and run past someone, when you have a right winger or a right back that can do that, it provides that bit more stability. And it's that's where I think the difference is when we say United are lopsided you won't see Ironman Bissaka do that but you will see a player like Seamus Coleman do it so that kind of helps out on that right wing but it also allows James to drift in a little bit and to spray those balls across the Luka Dina and you have Richarlison as well it's it's a very interesting one that you look at the differences between the formation they kind of reverted back to it. Kind of a hybrid style of four-four-two last year, and now you're yeah. seeing that more four-three-three. You're seeing more kind of pressing and counter-pressing, and it just is the team. Everton, even though we look at them and they, the first couple of weeks they've looked real silky and they've looked really skillful. You also have to realize they were they're a very hard-working team, and that's what Ancelotti has brought in. And then because of that midfield three and also the defense and how they've how they started to play it's allowed the attackers to get into the positions they want to get into it's allowed richarlson to even though he's kind of technically at wide. you see him kind of dart in even though they play with a four four three or yeah four three three it's not like even lines in a four four or four three three you're seeing them kind of move in and out and that's what's really hard for a defense to kind of see what's going to happen and then you see with the way Calvert-Lewin's been asked to play but he's able to play like that because of the way Hamas is playing because of the way Richardson's playing where even though he's out wide he's still getting in behind he's darting kind of central as well so it's it's one of those that it's not if one tactic works and then there's no plan b I think the way he sets out his team, that even if something's not working, it's very easy to be able to change it on the fly. And it's something that I don't think Everton have had for a couple of seasons. And it just shows when you can bring in a top-class manager and then when he's able to bring in the type of players he wants, you'll see improvements. Like I said, I don't think if the level of players didn't come in in the summer, I don't think you would have seen a huge improvement from last season. You would have seen an improvement because it's longer within his system but I don't think he would have been able to change it so dramatically as he's done this year. And it it works in the Premier League, having that base in midfield, but also having your attacking kind of flair players to have that freedom to kind of express themselves the way James, Richarlison and now Calvert-Lewin have been able to do. So it's, it's, it's really good. I think it's been one of the better jobs that a manager has done in the start of this Premier League season. And I think, I don't know who got manager of the month for the first month that we had, but it probably should have been Ancelotti. I think, I think it, I think like it was, yeah. I think yeah. it was. I think
1: it might have been Carlo. I'm not totally sure. I'm not that. Yeah, I'm
2: not sure, but if it, it should have been anyway, if it wasn't, but <laughs> he he's definitely done the best job thus far. I think. Yeah,
0: Matt, I want to ask you about you know that a lot. A lot of people. I mean, like I said, I do do a, t- a tactical podcast on Man United, and a lot of people get very stuck and bogged down with formations they think it's very, very rigid. You United fans have been going on about this four four two diamond, which we've not been playing. Um it's not a traditional diamond. Fans get very, very caught up in it. <clears throat> and when you look at Carlo, like as Kieran said, you know, traditionally he has played a four four two, but to be able to change with the times a little bit and be like, okay, in you know, with the ball you might be a four four uh four three 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 sorry, but without the ball you might be a four four two. And a lot of older managers they're very stuck in their ways, aren't they? But Carlos Carlo's moulded the system around the players, hasn't he? And that's that's been the impressive thing. You look at Jose Mourinho, I know it's working right now, but he'll have the exact way that he wants to play. He'll play that low block. He'll be very rigid on sort of perhaps a 4-2-3-1. Um, you know, it'll be asymmetric fullbacks. One will go up while the other one tucks in as a as a third centre-back. It's very much like, this is how I play, and this is how the players will play. But Carlo hasn't done that, has he? He's actually thought, you know, if I'm bringing Hammers in, and I th- I was confused where Hammers would play because I thought, He's not going to play in midfield because he probably doesn't work hard enough. That's mm. that's fair to say. But I thought, okay, he might play behind the striker. But then you think, where's Richardson play? Richardson being central with his energy is it has in some ways transformed the team, hasn't it? And it's kind of in some sense made up for Hamaz's lack of work rate. But when you're that good on the ball, it doesn't really matter. So, how impressed have you been with Carlos' sort of flexibility and and willingness to change it around the
1: players he's got? Yeah, I think it's it's sort of been what we expected, really. I think wh- whenever you get a new manager, you, you do a bit of a, a deep delve. Don't you speak to people at clubs you've managed before. And the sort of the overriding sense was that the car didn't really have like a set identity or a set formation. You know, if to appointed Diego Simeone tomorrow, they'd be playing 4 If they appointed Antonio Conte, they'd be playing 3 4 If they appointed Pep Guardiola, 4-3-3, et cetera, et cetera, When it was... Carlo Angelotti was like, well, it, it depends what players he's got. And, and he, he'll probably go in, he'll have a look for a few months at what he's got at his disposal, and then make some decisions in the summer about players and then decide on something for the new season. And that, that's, that's pretty much what's happened. And, you know, we mentioned there in regards to Decore and Hames and Alaben how those signings all seem to have been well thought out. And one leads on to the next one, which leads on to the next one. And it's all, it's all quite in place. But yet yeah, he's, he, he's done pretty well in that regard. I mean, the Newcastle game. God knows what that formation was, to be honest, lads. It was just, you know, one of one of my colleagues and that came on the podcast last night, Paddy Boylan, said it was effectively Newcastle versus an assortment of Everton midfielders because he played five five centre mids and it was a bit like, what, what's going on here? And you know, listen, we all have bad days, don't we? And hopefully Carlo just just had one um at the weekend because not playing wingers and playing for a nil against Newcastle is probably not ideal, albeit with the the lads that we had out. But yeah, and I think I think what, what it's done is it's been good when those lads have been on the pitch and that front three in particular, the balance is really good there. You know, harmers is the creator, Richardson's the, the driving force and, and Dom's been the, the one there who's just going to stick the ball in the back of the net when the chances come. But I think what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, certainly with Richardson not being available, um, is it, it can look a little bit more one-dimensional because like, like you both said, He's the one that's sort of going to come in from that left flank, get into the middle next to Calvert-Lewin and make those driving runs in behind. And without him, nobody really in the squad can do that. Maybe, well, Andy Gordon's a young player that's come in and looked bright in spells and he's more of a wide forward than a wide midfielder. And he's looked okay at times, albeit the manager may, may not seem to think he's ready. But other than that, you've got Alex Iwobi, who the journey's very much out on still. He's somebody who comes to the ball and drops into that space in front of the defence. And then you've got Bernard, who's a similar sort of player. They're not players who are going to make that run in behind. And that's where everton have looked a little bit one dimensional in the last couple of games. They haven't really been able to test teams in behind. And you know, you look at that potential area of the pitch at the weekend and I think I think Richardson and Wambasaka have had some great battles actually in recent games when they played against each other. I think you know those two seem to to, to really enjoy the scrap and on occasions Richarlison maybe got the better of him and Wambasaka vice versa. But I look at that area of the pitch at the weekend and I sort of think, well, United are probably going to win that battle now because everson i not going to play, who can sort of penetrate that, that area of the pitch, which, you know, which is fine. You might have to try and find another way. But I think it's the drop the, off. It's, it's the drop-off. It, 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 You know, I think if you look at United's squad at the moment and you'd say if one of that front three is not going to play, then you've got Edison Cavani to come in. You've got Wan Matson to come in. You know, you've got Daniel James coming in, whoever. And I think... Whereas you look at Everton, the drop-off is a lot bigger when you go to someone like Woby or Bernard than you would at United. And I think that's where Everton at the moment probably aren't quite there, yeah, in regards to being a genuine challenger for the top four. Because while they're all on the pitch and w- when you're watching Rich- and Rodriguez, you're thinking, this is absolutely brilliant. We're going to win every game this season and win the title. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> if, you, if you take one of those lads out who you're so dependent on, all of a sudden everyone's sort of on the pitch going, uh, what do we do now? You know who do we get? Who do we give the ball to when we're under pressure because we haven't got Hamers? Who do you knock the ball over the top to when you're under pressure because you haven't got Richarlison? And we haven't really had those little press, you know, those little pressure valves to get us out of those situations. Hamers should be back at the weekend, which is good. But Richarlison's probably, you know, he, he's probably the most important player in the squad because he, he does so much off the ball, and um, he gets back and helps out. He scores goals. He creates. He's I think, I think every t- every team's got that that lad, haven't they? Use the trigger for them in regards to just you know getting up the pitch and sort of jotting everybody into life. And and Everton have maybe yeah, yeah, Bruno and, whole and, yeah, and no, Everton Bruno. have maybe got a couple of them in, in Richarlison and Seamus Coleman, and it, they've both been missed massively because of that over the last couple of games. I think Everton slept walked through those matches because they haven't got someone to just put that tackle in or or you know charge in and have a shot at goal or something like that. So good, the Seamus is back, but, but Richarlison's a huge miss for for, for the game at the weekend. You know, it, it just makes me more annoyed to he put that super tackle in, in a derby and, that we haven't seen him over the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you, Matt, you bring out some uh, great points. I'm just going to bring Kieran in here because you've spoken about something which Richardson does, which we've mentioned, is that off-the-ball movement. It's yeah. something that I don't see enough, Kieran, do in, in the modern game? I think when you look at United's squad, we didn't have that really until van der Bakes come in. His off-the-ball movement is fantastic. Um, and something that United struggle with is that off the ball movement. You look at the centre backs. If they can be pulled around and they're not the quickest, then I really think Everton could exploit that. But without that, I mean, what can United do to exploit Everton's weaknesses?
2: It's it's a tough one without knowing who's actually gonna play for the United team, which until you see the lineup against Istanbul, you probably won't know because like I said, I think It'd be easy enough to say who's going to play if this was a Sunday kickoff. But because it's early on a Saturday, they're travelling back from Istanbul, probably don't get back until Thursday. It's very difficult to kind of decide. I think what you're going to have to do is try and focus in on some of those areas that, like like Matt said, that with Seamus Coleman just coming back, you have to target and see really how fit is he coming back into the game it kind of works well with United going down the left anyway. The I think the issue for United is going to be is, like I said earlier, that wall in midfield. If United want to sit back like they have done against Arsenal and Chelsea and try and hit everything on the break, it's not going to happen. The only way United are going to be able to beat them is they're going to have to put pressure on everything because, look, Hamas just coming back, if he has any sort of injury... You have to put more and more pressure on the Everton team before getting the ball to them. So if you can get, if you can pressure the likes of Alan Decore before it gets to, Hamas um, well then there's that. Like Matt said, I don't think there's going to be a big issue for United on at right back for Aaron Busaca without Richarlison there. That's one that I think it's a it's a benefit for United because there's not so many ways that Everton will be able to score. The problem is going to be Calvert Lewin. What centre back partnership do you use? Do you see again?
0: You don't play. You can't play Lindelof, mate.
2: No, you have to play
0: Axel. Someone stronger. You
1: know yeah. what, lads? Lindelof's had some great games against I've, all, whenever I've watched, whenever I've watched him yeah. in the flesh, I've always been dead impressed with him. To, to be fair. Yeah,
2: it's a it's
1: a good. It's a tough uh, one. I think.
2: He's a good player. Um, yeah, go on, yeah, him. it's it's a tough one because look, I think to the game against Istanbul, you'll you'll be able to tell pretty. Soon after that, who's playing against Everton Because the way Solskjaer has done it before is that even you look at the game last week, the likes of Bruno and stuff played in the Champions League didn't play or to start or sorry, it might have been the opposite with Pogba, um, where they would have played in the Champions League didn't start against, um, they didn't then didn't start the following week. It's something that United, especially this week, are going to have to do. It's it's a tough one. It's hard to look at the game and feel very confident as a United fan because everything have been in better form and also the fact that they've been hard to kind of play against. Now it goes back to that point of when some when one of those key cogs aren't in the team. So for example Richardson, how does as we said earlier that this kind of well-oiled machine from earlier on in the season, how does it work? Does taking out one of those parts Kind of disrupt things, and like Matt said, where players are like, "What do we do?" If there's any sort of hesitation there from some of the Everton players, that's where United kind of have to pounce on it. Hopefully, the likes of Rashford and Greenwood, or if it's Cavani that plays, are going to be able to put pressure in that defence. If they can do that, and if United can kind of get out early to kind of score a goal early, I think that's when there'll be more pressure on Everton because they'll try and push more forward. And that's when there might be some kind of leakages in that kind of solid defensive structure that they've shown this season. But again, it's one of those games that's really hard to tell. You've seen Everton play against Newcastle where you're like, this doesn't look like the same team as early on in the season. But then if you get the Everton from early on in the season, it's going to be a very difficult day for United. I've always found those early kickoffs on a Saturday they're really really (laughs) annoying I I hate them because especially when it's a good it's a good game I would much rather see that one at like four or five o'clock on a Saturday or Sunday because one there's more attention and I just feel the players are more ready for it you look at the first halves of those games and half the players are still asleep because they've literally gotten up from bed they've traveled in and they're going straight into a game goodness as well it's
0: oh, guy i've got so many memories kieran of games where, where Matt, when we've gone to goodison and it's it's like a, a early kickoff on a saturday and we're we get get killed half, we get killed yeah we're half asleep it happened happened last season and i just I, I look i'm not the most confident about it. but matt i'm gonna bring you in quickly because i know you've got to mm-hmm. rush off in about 10 minutes mm-hmm. but just give um, myself and kieran your thoughts on man united because from an outsider's point of view like you you you've mentioned players like Cavani, mm-hmm. you know if Everton have an injury, you're bringing in Iwobi. United have got Cavani, they've got Greenwood. Martial's back as well, Rashford. This is a good United squad. And I don't care what anyone else says. And I always say this, this main United squad is the best squad since we've had, since Sir Alex. We're not doing very well at the moment. What's you. your thoughts on Solskjaer? And what's your thoughts on United as a whole? And I mean, are you of the view that perhaps he is slightly out of his depth? Or do you think it's just early season, no pre-season? It's just It's just a bit of a struggle at the moment.
1: It, it just all, I mean, you lads obviously know better better than me, but it, it just, for me, it just all feels really fractured. Uh, I, I, you know, you mentioned there about the diamond against Leipzig, which worked really well. And then there's a three at the back that you played at PSG, which worked really well. And then the next week, it doesn't seem to work very well at all. And I thought it just, it just feels like something's not right there. And we're getting up to two years now, aren't we, with Solskjaer's been at the football club. And, you know, I, I still think of him as like he's, he's new in the job. He's. He's still figuring things out, and you know, it's it, it just it just doesn't feel like it's going to work. You know, it it just feels as though you know while there's a lot of goodwill towards him, and he seems like a nice guy, and he's willing to trust young players, he's obviously helped the development of people like you know we mentioned Wan Bissaka there. Greenwood's obviously come on and done really well. Marshall's evolved as, as a centre forward. He's done some good good things there, so sharp. But obviously, Manchester United supporters are going to want to see them challenging Liverpool and Manchester City and being at the top end of European football. And I think if they are going to do that, then probably some ruthless decisions need to, to, to be made. And I think that's the... You know, growing up on it, when it came to United and when they were under Ferguson and you know, David Gill, was that the one thing you could always associate them being was, was ruthless in things they did. And obviously, that, that I don't mean in terms of sack and manager, but when it came to players, when it came to signings, they were ruthless and they made decisions that they thought would benefit the football club in the long term. And I don't know, maybe this is just because seeing Pochettino looking glorious with his new hairstyle on Monday night yeah. football in the week. And, and you know, a bit like you all- have. <laughs> yeah, put him in a league company there, mate. I'll take that, yeah. Um, but you know, maybe it's just because he's in a nice studio and he's saying yeah. lots of lovely things about football and looking back on his career. But you just have to think, you know, he's, he's right there and he's he's not a manager that's, that's won trophies by by any means, but he's somebody you are thinking. If you got a hold of players like Bruno Fernandes, like Mason Greenwood, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, then you'd probably be able to eat that extra ten percent out of them that United need to push on, and then that'll be a platform for them to push on again, where they potentially challenge for things. So, I don't know. I, I, I quite like Solskjaer. Quite like some of the things he's done. You know, I, I imagine as, as supporters, you lads have, have had some some great times under him down here. You know, you've been to the Etihad and won a couple of times. You've been to Paris and, and won twice. You know, you won the derbies at home. It's he's been he's been a manager that's been able to give United supporters some great moments, but it just feels like that might be that might be it. He, he might be a man for moments, but not a man for the long-term future in regards to getting long-term stability for you.
0: That is that's the best I've heard it summed up, Kieran, isn't it? And you know I know we've got to rush off so I'll just uh ask you guys for your score predictions, but just on the Solskjaer thing, all the great work which fans just can't see. And when you do more podcasts, when you do more research, you actually realize what he's done behind the scenes, the academy's completely been revamped. The culture and people say oh the culture is toxic the players players are happy generally and, and it's a long time you say that we lost four nil to everton and that was a dark day mm. a really dark day and you thought these players are are absolutely rotten to the core he's done that but you sometimes have a feeling has he reached the ceiling it doesn't help with the ownership we talk about angelotti being able to bring in the players that he wants i, I don't think Oli's necessarily been allowed to do that he's done some great things but i'd agree with your assessment matt and the monday night football was an, was an audition for Pochettino. i think he uh, he won a few people's hearts um yeah. this idiot included
1: but um, it just, let's it, just to- it just it just feels like i, I don't know it, it's the rush by the way lads don't worry it's, it's absolutely oh, okay, fine cool. it's it, it just feels a bit to me as though whenever it feels like things are about to to spiral completely out of control that he just pulls a mad win out of somewhere like you know the game the game in paris where you think you know that that's 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 a that's a result which buys you another couple of months, isn't it, as another Manchester United manager. And then you can have two or three bad weeks there, and then he'll do it again. And then another two, three bad weeks and then he'll do it again. And you know, I've seen some reports this this week about him potentially losing his job if, if he gets beat at the weekend. I, I imagine they're quite premature, but he just feels as though he's always got a great result in him. And while that's that's a good thing, I suppose it can be a dangerous thing as well, if you're looking at building towards United being a long term force in English football again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Kieran, I'm going to bring you in because I can see you itching to say something. But before I do that, guys, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I'm going to be shameless about it because I want you to help us get to 1K because we can then have amazing guests like Matt on and he's been fantastic. Kieran, what is your view on this? And we're not saying go and sack him immediately, but um, I- I've been sort of banging the drum. People saying, oh, it's only one defeat, but you're sitting in 15th. And if you were seeing some sort of consistency in terms of we've been fantastic in Europe, but in terms of style of play, uh, formation I'm happy about you can be flexible you can be versatile that's not a problem for me but you're seeing more because that style of play that identity that you're you know that you're going to see what that every week with United I, sometimes I see United and I just don't necessarily actually see the identity and we've seen managers like Ancelotti come in and do that in a shorter period of time and as Matt said it's been two years so you know you've got to ask these questions and when you see other managers possibly getting more out of a a squad that perhaps is not as talented I think it's valid to ask these sort of questions
2: yeah absolutely Um, where I would say where I'm at with Solskjaer is the team's inconsistent you'll see them play against some of the big teams like last year and you'll beat Man City twice in the league you'll beat Chelsea whatever it was four times last season you'll be pretty much I think was the first team to take points off Liverpool last year and it kind of gave other teams kind of a way to play against them very similar to I think the previous year when United were the first team to kind of kind of put up a fight against Man City he knows how to kind of set up his teams in those big games the problem is, is the consistency if you're going to be that long-term team that's going to be challenging for titles if you're not consistent I've always said it, an inconsistent team is not a good team. It's hot and cold and you will never win anything. Personally, I think what he's done in the past two years, I think a lot of people don't realize just how good a job he's done because of how bad it was getting under Mourinho. It was getting more toxic by the day. If United waited much longer, you would have had a lot of players leave the club. You would have that you would want to keep you would have had a lot of people around the club just completely depressed, which that's that's where they were when Solskjaer came in.
0: So you have to ask Jamie Jackson, don't you? Remember I had him on uh, you know from The Guardian and he said that the club was it was awful. There were people that had been there for 20 odd years. Even the even the people in the canteen, you know, the groundsmen, really, the the sort of the pillars of the club, they were they were just disillusioned with the way that it was under Mourinho.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think you have to commend Solskjaer to come in he wasn't taking the job as the idea that it was going to be the permanent job he was told he was getting it till the end of the season until they were going to hire a new manager and they told him they were going to hire a new manager the only reason that he's in the job is because he went what was it 13 14 games without losing it's hard not to reward someone with a contract when that happens and then he's gone through these big runs where it's worked the problem is i've always said i don't think he's that kind of manager you're going to win a lot of titles with but he will improve the team and he has um i think if results don't improve i think he still makes it to the new year i think that's when you start to see maybe more questions if this kind of form continues i don't think it'll continue it may not be a great performance this weekend because look everything's tough after the midweek game of the champions league but after that Look, I think once you start having those kind of one game a week where they have the whole week to prepare for the Premier League game, I think you'll start to see the results kind of shoot up a little bit more. And especially if United beat Istanbul this week and the following fixture, they're basically qualified for the Champions League then for the um, knockout round. So they don't really have to play their strongest team in those last two. So then you can kind of focus on the Premier League for for a few months anyway. So I think that's where it might get a little bit easier. So I, th- I think we're probably just going to have to look at it over kind of the next few months rather than from week to week, because when you do that, you'll just you'll get yourself in a in a frenzy by just looking at week to week. Does the manager stay? Does he not? I think you just have to look at it over, as an overall season and then just see how he gets on. I think uh, yeah, you said a fantastic
0: point. So I do agree in the- this is what annoys me when people say, oh, he's d- not done a good job. It's just nonsense because he's done, I think he's done a phenomenal job. And I said before, and Matt, I want to get your opinion on this before we go on to predictions, but I said before that he's a manager from A to B. He came in with the pure, purely with the objective to just fix the club, stop the rot because it's just been, you know, 26 years of incredible success and hard, o- hard work by Sir Alex has just been wiped out in seven years. You've got those monkeys upstairs who don't care about football, they yeah. <laughs> don't care about, They just care about this, the money. And he had to stop the rot. And he's done that so well. And for me, it was always about he's an A to B manager. So you get come in, stop the rot, turn it around, get the culture back to what we like to see. Yes, okay. Maybe the football hasn't been Manchester United evolved. But actually, like you said, some of the best times I've had the last seven years have been under Oli. And I I absolutely thank him for that. But there comes a time when perhaps you've hit your ceiling and he might take you from a to B but B to C is challenging for trophies it's more of a uh, more of a um, obvious identity and style of play which perhaps another manager would, would be able to do so in with that said do you agree with that that you know maybe he has taken the team as far as he can and then someone else now has a pretty good squad actually to now build upon
1: yeah it's it's almost like listen to it you know a lot of the stuff that, that you guys are speaking about there is it sort of enlightened me to be honest in regards to what the club was like under radio and how social has changed the culture around it stuff that, that I hadn't even thought about to be honest and maybe more you know deserves more credit than, than perhaps a thought because of that. But but yeah just just listen to you speak and it's it's all the things you said it sort of feels like the United League needed the manager in the mold of someone like like Angelotti because I think before before Angelotti came to Everton, what people who didn't think it'd be a good fit at Everton were saying was that, what Angelotti does is he goes to clubs that have got a lot of good players that things aren't quite working and he just polishes them a little bit and he makes players who are playing probably at 75% a sense of the best play a little bit better by putting an arm around them, by doing some basic you know, tactical work and just simplifying things a little bit. And you sort of feel as like that's going up. what you said there, that's what United need now. It, it may not be so much a, a manager's going to come in and be totally welded to a system and a way of play and it's just... Getting that little bit extra out of, you know, making Bruno Fernandez a bit of a better player, making Greenwood a bit of a better player, Marshall taking him on another level, you know, adding a little bit more consistency to someone like Rashford's game. It, it feels like that's what 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 you need. And the, the analogy A to B is is, is really interesting, more well, because it, it just made me think of what people were saying about Carlo and Chelsea before he before he came that's to Everton and what, and what sort of manager what sort of manager he was going to be. And that that sort of where United feel like they are now.
0: My worry when I saw Carlo go to Everton was exactly that. He is that B2C. And could he actually do the a to b the, the rebuild? And mm. that's why <laughs> I did a podcast about Carlo, and I was like, oh, one of my favourite, favourite managers. I, I would have taken him at United after Sir Alex. I would have taken him after Moyes. I have taken him after Mourinho. Sorry, after LVG and Mourinho, I would have taken. I will take Carlo now, even. I think he's, no, you
1: can't have you can't him now. He's <laughs> up in
0: Liverpool. <England>, <laughs> yeah, are you yeah. sure? Maybe we can do a little deal. You know, maybe I don't know. <laughs> we'll give you three points this weekend if you get us, Carlo. But no, I, um, I that was always my thing, and you're right. You're completely right. And I, I always say this to Kieran, don't I? I always say the A to B, the B to C, and it's not me saying go and sack Oli now. And a lot of people think that I am about that. I'm not. I just think that you have to look at what he's done, and some people can't see the good that he's done. And like we said behind the scenes myself and Kieran talk about us all the time on the podcast we do it's huge I mean Kieran just just talk a little bit to listeners about Nikki Butt and uh, it's Nick Cox isn't it the impact they've yeah. had behind
2: yeah so just to have a bit of a background is when Sir Alex Ferguson and David Gill left roughly 70 to 80 percent of the youth academy scouts left and retired at the same time and instead of replacing them they just left whoever was there and did nothing kind of change? The only changes that happened was that last Van Gaal and Stardom Mourinho here, they started rebuilding Carrington and they did, they put in some extra pitches and they did some, I think they improved the weight room and stuff, but they didn't really change much for the scouting system. Then Solskjaer came in. Nikki Butt was promoted to head of the head of football or head of youth academy there. Um, and they started bringing in players. They started bringing in scouts where really they've revamped their whole scouting network now. Um, a year into that, they brought in Nick Cox from Sheffield United and then moved him into the head of player development. And Nikki Butt kind of moved to kind of be the overall um, kind of manager of the youth academy where he is now. And you've just seen more and more about young British players coming into the academy. So you've seen like Joe Hugel this year. And then you've also seen a lot of kind of international talent come in. So you would have seen Hannibal Mejby come in last season. You've seen a couple of the new lads from like Madrid and Barcelona came in this year. And really, when you look at the under 23s, it's primarily 16 year olds that are playing and They're beating a lot of the teams or drawing with some of the teams that they're playing against, which are like the one that kind of shouts out to me is the game against Arsenal that they played. There was about six of the Arsenal players that were within the Arsenal's first team and they drew 3-0 with really the majority of the players that were in that team were 16 and 17. And you're just seeing more and more now that the recruitment at that level is where a top club's recruitment at that level should be. The problem is that you don't see it at the first team level, but is that because of the market? Is it that some of the prices for players just aren't worth it anymore? and is it better off for a team to invest at that age level and then bring in players from there? You've seen it with the likes of even though Mason's been with United for most of his for most of his career, if he plays the way we expect him to play, he's saving the club a 100 million by the way he's playing. Same thing with Axel 2 and Zabian. They were already within the club. But there's a lot of other players that are coming through the team that, like even you look at the kid, Charlie McCann from City, that he initially played for United and then once everything happened with Ferguson, he left, went to City and now has come back again. So it's something that works well and the big clubs need to kind of be able to do that. You don't, you don't see it as much um anymore with a lot of teams i see man city the way they've recruited is more they look for kind of the bigger kids and the like really tough strong kids at younger levels because they know they're going to be able to beat some of the more technically um the more technical um kids because they're smaller but they're more skillful that's where man city kind of did it really you haven't seen anyone kind of with that kind of skill level in the City Academy for a while since Jadon Sancho, really. You've seen a lot of these kind of bigger kids. So you've seen this, I can't remember the striker's name that I think he played in the Champions League. Very kind of tough and tall kid for Man City, when Aguero and stuff where their academy is littered with those type of players. But what you're seeing from United now is you're getting a mixture of different styles and they're trying to mould it together. And they've, it's probably the first time in about 10 years that the under-23s is trying to play in a way that the first team should play. So it's an easy transition from the youth academy to first team football, which is the way it should be. But a lot of academies don't do it because so many of them are focused in on results. Well, at United, it's not so much results. It's actually developing the players to become first team footballers. And it's something that I think needs to be commended from, from the club when we criticise them for everything else. I think that's something that you kind of need to applaud them for. Uh, absolutely. That's a fantastic summary. And, and guys,
0: you've got to look at these things that happen scenes you've got to look at things more holistically you can't just look at the the first team and think okay well this is all that you see there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that a manager does have an input and United don't have a director of football so that's what Ollie's been doing he's got a transfer committee that works with him and you can say that the, the signings we've made over the past two years have probably been our best signings Matt have you got anything to add to that um before we go into the score prediction
1: no it's just fascinating stuff I think it, it, it always helps when you know the, the entire football club as a as a common thread running through it and I think that's that's something that hasn't really been the case at Everton for a while in regards to helping those young lads make the, the next step. So yeah, just just fascinating stuff and it's you know, I suppose it's shows the importance of you guys having these conversations, the supporters having these conversations, as opposed to just, you know, tired cliches being trotted out in mainstream media about various aspects of social management and whatever, because it's certainly been enlightening to me to, to hear about some of the good things that he's done at the football club that, that don't get spoken about in detail elsewhere.
0: Absolutely. And likewise with you, with Everton, from the outside, I mean, we've seen the turmoil for years, haven't we? Uh, You know, spending a huge amount of money, bringing in managers hasn't really worked out. I mean, I thought Marcus Silva was going to be a great appointment. I Mm. I liked what he did at uh, even Hull. I know they got relegated. Watford did well. It didn't work out. Huge amounts of money being spent. We know that uh, Mishiri's obviously got a lot of money, but it (laughs) seems like Everton finally are now moving in the right direction it just takes one manager with uh with a vision and if they believe in him and i think you've got a fantastic i mean you know i've said it many times how much i like ancelotti he's always been one of my favorite ones even when i was younger what i'm 25 so you saw the great milan size that he had where they won the yeah. Champions League and just the great stuff but uh let's move on to the predictions i'm gonna bring up my little uh my little uh <laughs> banner across the bottom just the nice visuals right i'm gonna go first guys i'm just gonna keep it really short and sweet i think it's gonna be a cagey game I think, again, United is just not going to want to lose. And I think we have to win this. I'm being honest. I'm one of those that thinks if we don't win this game, it could be curtains for for Solskjaer. But um, I'm going to go for a a 1-1. It could very much be a 0-0. But uh, yeah, 1-1, I think it will be a a very tight and cagey game. Matt, what is your score prediction?
1: I'll go for score draw, but I think it might be 2-2. I think it might be a, a little bit more open. In that sense, I think if Everton have a Charles, not really fancy them for this game. But with him being suspended, it's it's a massive blow for us. But I think uh, Dina being back in the side, Coleman maybe being back, not sure on that one yet. Um Rodriguez should be back by all accounts. I think there'll be a lot more varied in attack. I um, have a lot more options to get at United, and I think it'll be an open game. I just I just worry. United have got such. A great amount of firepower you've got so many players you can score goals and i think will struggle to cope with a lot of them so yeah i think a yeah, score draw 2-2 two, two. nice one kieran what is your prediction
2: yeah i've been kind of thinking about this over the last like, day or two and i do think there'll be goals in the game um i think united might just nick it and i have 2-1 again i think if Everton were you had everybody fully fit i think I'd be a little bit more worried about not winning the game, um, but I'll go for a two-one. Um, but I think it will—you will have—I think it will be one where you are going to get a couple goals in there. So it's a—it's a tough one. But again, this type of game, I think anything can happen. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And guys, that is us for time.
0: Matt, thank you very much, mate, for coming on. You've been a phenomenal guest. We've learned so much today. Where can all the listeners find you on Twitter, if you can remember that? And where can <laughs> they find the Blue Room podcast if they want to hear more uh, in depth sort of analysis of Ancelotti and Everton?
1: Yeah, I should have put my Twitter thing in the little name bar like you guys have done there. That <laughs> I missed the trip there. Yeah, uh, but ask at, at Football is my Twitter. Uh, the Blue Room is up. Is the Blue Room ESC. Uh, I'm sure if United win at the weekend uh, and you want to hear all of the Evertonians moaning about various things, then it could, it could be a good listen for you guys. So, uh so check it out if United do win, but uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure being on, lads. Thanks very much for asking.
0: No problem. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks. Cool. We'll, get, we'll get you back on as well for sure. It'd be it's really interesting, thanks, just getting more of an in-depth conversation. Kieran, thank you as you, always for being my usual car host. As we can see, you've changed your your at handle. So now that is actually his name, guys. Kieran Power Hall. Well, that is a powerful <laughs> name, mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, yeah, so guys, make sure you check it out. We've got some great show- two live shows today. We've got the Mastercast with myself and Rob Blanchett, and we've got Red Devils Talk. Kieran will be joining me with three other people. So make sure you check that out, and we will see you next time.